Hello there, space fans. Robin here, chief of content of Supercluster. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been with you guys, and I can tell you that we're all super excited about human spaceflight. And I think the main reason for that is the Inspiration4 mission. The Supercluster team was uh, able to head down to Kennedy Space Center and join the activities, see the crew, photograph the mission, and uh, be a part of the fanfare. I got back home a few days ago. Um, we are still publishing photos. Eric Kuna and Jenny Hotman did such an incredible job covering the mission, and they produced some of the most striking images I've ever seen of a rocket launch. Um, head on supercluster.com to see a uh, photo essay of their work. It's truly the mission through their eyes and through the eyes of our team. I, I have a quick photo in there, too. And Joey Roulette from The Verge has a photo in there he caught of me and uh, John Kraus, who is a regular contributor to Supercluster and is the inspiration for missions photographer. His uh, call sign was Snap, which, John, if you're listening, I'm never going to call you that. Congrats to the entire inspiration for crew making it home safely. Congrats uh, to SpaceX and such an amazing breakthrough. It was really great to be down there, and it was really great to be there with my buddy Chris Esposito, the founder and the host of the Space with Spo show. Chris, was your first time being down there for a rocket launch? Uh, funny enough, on the last pod you joined us for, we talked about you going down to Cape Canaveral. You, you did it. You, you said that you were going to do it, and That's you right. did it. So. Welcome back to the show, first of all. Yep. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to be back here, guys. Chris, immediately, I need to know, what was your initial reaction? We have a lot to talk about, but what was your <laughs> initial reaction yeah. to being at Kennedy Space Center as a badged member of the media? Yeah, I, I guess for me, it, it was just such a surreal experience. I mean, just for like my entire story, right? Like literally when this mission started from the Super Bowl commercial, you know, that next day I made a video and they reposted it. And, you know, I was pretty involved with this from day one. And to fast forward, you know, to go down to Kennedy Space Center, you know, when I got through the security section and, you know, I'm driving down, I see the vehicle assembly building and, you know, I'm pulling into the media section. It just it all kind of hit me that like, I'm here to watch history. And it was just such an amazing experience. You know, I'm so lucky to have witnessed that. And there's so much to talk about. Where should we even start about this well, launch? First, first and foremost, you mentioned the vehicle assembly building. Now, when you're a first timer down at Kennedy Space Center and down at the Space Coast in general, the first thing you notice is the VAB, the vehicle assembly building. It is the largest single story building in the world. And it is, yeah. it is, you have to see it in person to believe it, but it is gigantic and overwhelming. <laughs> and the American flag on it is huge. You can park yeah. a city bus on one of the stripes. The meatball is gigantic. It's stories tall. Um, so it's an overwhelming feeling. And it really represents the, the importance and the, and the gravity of where you are. Kennedy Space Center is hallowed ground, and it's a location that has seen some of humanity's greatest achievements. One, the one being Apollo 11, mm -hmm. and we'll get into this. Apollo 11 was launched from Pat 39A, which is now being leased by SpaceX, and it is where the inspiration for crew launched from. So, Chris, 
What was your reaction to seeing the <laughs> pad with your own eye? Yeah. So when I saw the pad for the first time, it really hit me how close we were. Like it didn't really like I didn't understand how lucky I was to be standing where I was. And then all of a sudden, you know, you point out there, the pads right there. You can see the crew dragon capsule sitting up there with your eyes like it was so close. I mean, how close was that? Like three or four football fields? We're from what specific area from the right clock? from the cl- yeah the countdown section from yeah. where we watched. I mean okay, that could so have been more than for our audience. The a good reference for this is the movie Contact, which I know many people who listen to this show have seen that film. There is a scene where uh, Jodie Foster is at Kennedy Space Center. She lands there in a helicopter. There's a clock in the background. You see the the launch pad in the background. That's exactly how it is in real life. And there's a countdown clock. There's sometimes bleachers that you can see off to the right. It's a huge open grassy field. And the press area is actually pretty old school. It's I think the last time they designed it or built it up was in the 60s and 70s. Uh, so it has that vibe going for it. Very, mm-hmm. very old school, uh, I would say. Definitely, and yeah. so, yeah, there's a grassy area, very large grassy area where the countdown clock is. And this time around, there was a lot of live streaming, and Netflix was there with yep. Time Magazine doing a ton of stuff. So there's a, a ton of setups, a lot more than usual. Crew launches, human launches tend to have more media coverage. So there's a little bit more of that setup going on. Yeah. But surprisingly, now, a lot of people are surprised to learn this. So when you're by the launch clock, the countdown clock, the launch pad does look very close because there's nothing between you and the launch pad, just water, just yeah. water and, and a couple of tree lines. You're actually closer. I, I forgot the number, but it's, you're closer to four miles. I think three and a half really? to four miles. No yeah. way. It just yeah. looks, it's like an optical illusion. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes we get a lot of messages because Eric or John or someone will take a photo and it'll look ridiculously close. We've had a <laughs> spaceport security and reps from other companies call us and say, hey, is your photographer on, on our base or on our site? And I'm oh, like, no, great. we're outside. We're just using a lens, you know, the right lens and at the right angle. And, you know, the photographers are skilled. They know how to take photos, you know, that look like they're super close up. So either way, the press site, I believe, is the closest people can be to the rocket launch itself from that pad. So you, you got your full experience. Yeah. Let's not even talk about the launch yet. What made you go down for the mission? Honestly, it's, it, we, we were having a conversation on my podcast, right? And, you know, I take, you know, the advice that you give me to heart a lot, right? You know, so we were talking and I remember I asked you a question. I was like, give me some advice where I can put myself in the right position to succeed in this industry. And I remember you saying, you got to be boots on the ground, Chris, right? Like your audience is ready for you to make some noise on the ground, right? Like for me, you know, I talk a big game of like, you know, I want to change the industry. I want to bring more energy to space, right? And now I felt like it was time to put my money where my mouth is, right? Like I've been doing this for a year now and it's time to go out there and to make mistakes and and to learn the ropes of live streaming and to, you know, doing a show live on the ground. And honestly, like, We'll get into the launch, but overall, like this week changed my life forever. All right. What was your first mistake? (laughs) I think the first mistake I made was not realizing like just how hot it was in Florida. (laughs) Uh I didn't, I didn't dress right. I mean, I don't know how anybody ever like 
looks professional over there. I mean, I oh, want it's to- really difficult and it's hard to pull off because you, there are some folks there. I need to shout out Michael Seeley who shoots for a national geographic. He's a really close friend of mine. He wears a suit a lot or he's wearing a long sleeve button down yeah, with I dress how- pants. Okay. So Michael Seeley is a space flight photographer is one of the best, but he also has like a, an incredible corporate job where he's a leader in that, in the medical world. So he's always dressed for that. He's dressed for business. <laughs> he's a professional. And he also dresses this way to Kennedy Space Center. And it makes the rest of it pressures the rest of us to be on that level. So I'm never going to wear like wearing a suit to Kennedy is damn near impossible. It, yeah. Outside of November and December. I mean, it's yeah, not it, happening. I like if I could, I would have worn a bathing suit to the yeah, launch. I mean, yeah. it was that hot. I had oh. so much acne on my forehead this week because <laughs> I was wiping so much sweat off my head last week. I would say so, that was, that yeah. was a big mistake. Um, some other mistakes I made, you know, just some wrong turns here and there. Florida is pretty confusing. I mean, yeah, right it's very confusing. The, and yeah, okay. So funny enough, you called me when you were on the way in because you were kind of <laughs> yeah. lost. And it's very right lost, when, yeah. yeah, when I hung up the phone on you i went straight to one of the the nasa reps and i said hey the folks coming in here don't have a map or directions there's a lot of first timers here and everyone agreed at the same time oh yes that is right we did this we did not we didn't really give people instructions on how to drive in you know, you make, make your a right. left then a right then yeah, a left, left there left, was right. none of that so for next time Let's make sure that people have um, directions if you're listening. Yeah, so directions was a part. And then I would say just honestly, just having like the media pass in general, like I didn't really fully understand like how much content I could really create based off of that, right? Like I missed the walk to the pad in the morning. I missed that. And and here's the thing. I wouldn't worry about that. Look, I think that among the non-photographers – I think mm-hmm. myself and and Michael Sheets were the only reporters out there. Everyone else was a videographer or photographer. So Michael, it was his first time out to the pad, which was really cool to see. And yeah, I mean, the reporters like yourself, it's good to go once or twice. But let me tell you, you're going to get eaten by mosquitoes. <laughs> we got um, it is fun to see the pad and, and you know be out there with the rocket. But also the Florida sun. Uh, But next time, Chris, when you do go down for a rocket launch, take advantage of the pad visit. It is mostly for photographers and videographers only. (laughs) But like if it's your first or second time or you've never been to the pad, it's fine to just tag along and, you know, you could take some photos if you'd like to. Yeah. And then other than that, honestly, just like creating content wise, right? Like me and you Mm -hmm. had this conversation a couple hours before launch. First off, let me say this. We, I got there about five hours before launch, four and a half. That was the fastest four yeah, hours yeah. time has ever moved in my life, ever. Four yeah. hours in the blink of an eye. But uh, yeah, just like creating content wise, I think that, you know, we had that conversation where it's like, okay, well, how should I do this launch? You know, this is my first launch ever. And, you know, I ultimately came to the decision that I wanted to enjoy it, right? So I didn't really right. want to narrate as much as I possibly could. But I think this needed to happen for me to understand, like, where I could bring my content to on the next launch, right? Like I'm thinking live shows. I'm thinking, you know, how can I push the ball forward and, you know, getting myself more ready for the next launch where I can, you know, have, you know, bring my listeners along with me. And I think that this was just such a crucial mission to be a part of, you know, where I can kind of get my feet wet and dive in. Yeah. A crew mission is a great mission to get situated with at Kennedy because a lot more reporters show up and there's a lot more going on. 
I gather your next one will probably be a NASA launch, right? I would. I, yeah, I'm thinking about it. You know, or, I really want to get out there. It'll be NASA or Axiom. If it's a NASA launch, you'll see a lot more fanfare in terms of like, mm-hmm. you know, NASA uses the opportunity to talk about all their missions. You'll oh, see yeah. public affairs officials coming out of every corner. You're going to have mission scientists. You're going to have mission directors, programmers, blah, blah, blah. You're going to have a million things going on because it's NASA and they want to do as much public relations as possible. The taxpayer's paying for it. These private missions, it'll be very controlled, very curated. It'll be guided by whatever private deals they have with Netflix and Time Magazine. And let I know a lot of people were a little tiffed about, well, Netflix got exclusive access. Time got exclusive access. Yes, that's the private part of private launches mm-hmm. is the fact that people have c- control over what they're doing. I think a lot of people have this idea that privatized spaceflight is we're going to be watching the you know mission control 24 seven, like it's star Trek. No private mm-hmm. spaceflight means as soon as you can't see the spaceship anymore, that's, that's none of your business. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? And I know right now, a lot of these missions, there is a public relations component, whether it's raising money or you're trying to inspire people. Yes. If you're going to frame your mission that way, then make sure there's a degree of public exposure and media access. But what the public needs to get used to in a couple of years, you're going to see the rocket leave and the spaceship come back. What happens in, on private flights paid by private citizens? I mean, you're going to know less and less as time goes mm-hmm. on. Yeah, that's a tough cookie to swallow too. You know what I mean? I mean, I was definitely frustrated with the radio silence that they did right after right. Uh, takeoff. And I know, you know, there's a lot of people on space Twitter right now that feel the same way. And Absolutely. I feel like and really I think there's an argument. You know? Yeah, I think there's an argument to be made in this case that there should have been more considering the message, considering what the goal was to raise money. But I think overall, being down at Cape, we had pretty decent access I think there's been some, you know, pretty decent access lead it, leading up to the mission. Mm. When you th- consider how much the astronauts have to train and how much has to be done, it's the first time this mission's happening. I think that the limited access was justified in a lot of ways um, yeah. for this particular case. But also, I do see on the other hand that you know there could have been there could have been not more access to the astronauts, but more maybe swift images coming from the dragon. And a lot of that was technical, which people don't understand is a lot of that was literally a technical issue because oh, that's a good point. A private flight like this, they can't really block up the channels. There's NASA satellites, com satellites being used to relay data and information back to mm-hmm. earth. Private missions are not the priority when accessing those channels. Yeah. So it's not like, crew can go up to orbit and dragon and immediately start beaming down photos. It doesn't work that way. So yes, I do see the side of, Oh, I wish we could do more. I wish they would help us reach more people around the world. Always see the argument for that. But at the same time, this was the first time this was happening. Mm -hmm. There was technical challenges and also the mission is expensive. So if Jared paid a hundred million donation to St. Jude, Plus, he paid for the four seats. Fifty-five million. Yeah, he obviously went to Netflix and and gave them exclusive and five episodes of a documentary. 
I'm sure that deal was in the tens of millions. If I oh, had to sure. guess, I would say 40 to 50 million in some form. And I think that helped pay for the mission. So I don't know. I don't know if that will ever be revealed, but Netflix gave tens of millions of dollars to get the exclusive rights to this mission, which helped pay for the mission. So you're going to see a lot <laughs> yeah. of deals happening in the future. Let's say I needed, I really wanted to fly on Starship. I want to go to the moon. Elon Musk says, Oh, Robin, you can go. Just give me $60 million, but I only have 20 million. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go to HBO or I'm going to go to Apple TV. I'm going to say, Hey, I'm going to the moon. I'm like a nobody. Do you guys want to film this? I might die. <laughs> give me six, uh, give me $40 million on top of my 20. And you have the exclusive rights to watch me die while going to the moon. Literally. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. you got to think uh, when it's the first all private mission, that's what private means. <laughs> it's, you know? it's sad. You know, this Netflix special better be amazing because after they left the planet, we got four photos of them. I think in the first like mm-hmm. 30 hours, four pictures, that's it. And then that's all we had, you know? So yeah, um, we'll have to see how the situation evolves. And like I said, I see both sides of the coin. I was able to, you know, we were talking about our experience going down to Kennedy. I was one of the lucky few to be able to, you know, meet with the crew before the launch in the hangar. And it was pretty amazing. So I was in there with a couple of good friends too. Tim Dodd was in there, Chris Gebhardt, Joey Roulette, my friend Jackie Waddles from CNN was in there. And we were brought in there by SpaceX to ask questions to the crew right before, like, you know, I think it was 27 hours before I left off. That was really cool. And I enjoyed it. But the Falcon Heavy was also in there. Like rolled by? not going to lie, while we were really excited to have that last moment with the crew, which was really nice, we, we had some, you know, we all got to ask some questions. There was a Falcon Heavy in there. Oh my God. And it loomed over us. The right on the right was the, the center core booster, and it didn't have legs because it the next mission it, it's expending the core booster, which is crazy because of the amount of fuel that's being used to launch this Air Force payload. But the side boosters were in there, and they did have the grip fins, and I believe that those two side boosters are going to land on both drone ships at the same time, which has never been done before. We've seen the visual of the twin boosters landing at Cape Canaveral, which is incredible. But to have a live stream where we get to watch them both land on the drone ship, that's going to be pretty dope. It's going to be incredible. It's so funny how these things are just like sitting around all these space sites. The more you look, the more you can see like (laughs) what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, exactly. So... It was really cool to be there among the Falcon Heavy. It's been a while since they've launched it, and it's a lot of everyone's favorite vehicle. (laughs) Even though it doesn't launch crew, it has some pretty amazing missions coming up. It's going to help build a lunar gateway. It's Mm -hmm. going to launch Europa Clipper. It's going to launch all these you know, pretty amazing payloads. And a lot of people thought that Falcon Heavy, especially Elon Musk, a lot of people thought that Falcon Heavy would be immediately redundant in terms of like, Starship would be magically appearing and Falcon Heavy would not be needed anymore. But no, they need Falcon Heavy and it's got some pretty amazing missions coming up. Chris, you have to get down to a Falcon Heavy launch. I know the crew crew is amazing, but you've done a crew. If I was going to suggest something, 
I would suggest going down to a Falcon Heavy launch. Falcon Heavy, um, yeah. the the orbital yeah. Starship, and then also where are they launching the James Webb from? Is that going to be from the Kennedy French, Space Center? French Guiana. Okay, so yeah. it, does, it doesn't look like I'm going there. I mean, we we all wanted it to launch from Kennedy because that would have been amazing. But the way that the whole thing worked out is they're going to be launching from French Guiana. I unfortunately will not be going. I do know a couple of journalist friends that are trying to go. I hope they make it there. And I do, you know, we always wish our, the best to our friends on the program itself. Uh, we wish we could be there, but we are going to celebrate like hell on Supercluster. We're going to oh, yeah. be hyping the mission and the launch. Our launch tracker is already up. It is already ticking. There's a launch For, date and a oh, launch yeah. time. The mission yeah. patch is already in the store. We've been so, ready. We are ready you know, to rock. Yeah. Well, our bodies are ready for the James Webb launch. I'll tell you though, these rocket launches, it's like a drug, man. It really oh, is. Yes. After I saw yes. Inspiration 4, I, are we ready to talk about it? Should we, should we do start it, do from- Do it, do it, do it, do it. Should we Go start for from it. countdown to 10? Okay. So yeah, me and, I'm like, yeah. let me paint the picture for you guys. Me and Ro- Robin comes up to me. He's like, hey, I got this great spot we're going to watch right in front of the uh, countdown clock where- you know, we're kind of sheltered from the other photographers and everybody else videoing. We're like front row. Like if I had to right. say it, it's like equivalent to yeah. front row 50 yard line at like the Super right. Bowl, right? Exactly. So we're, we're sitting there. Uh, I set up my camera behind me and you guys can go to YouTube and watch uh, our reaction right now at Space with Spo. But basically the rocket takes off and immediately like I just start like cursing, right? Like I'm freaking mm-hmm. out. I'm like, oh mm-hmm. my God. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really hit me to what's happening until about, I would say, 10 seconds, 13, 14, 15 seconds when it gets some height and it's really piercing through the atmosphere. And the only way I can describe this to my family and friends is that it was the closest thing I've ever seen to like real life magic, if that makes sense. Like it, it blows that my makes mind. total sense. It makes yeah, like total it sense. blows my yeah. mind how yeah. like yeah. Elon Musk created something like that on this planet to get us off this planet. And like, it just reminded me like why they call this thing the dragon. Like it was insane. Like this ball of fire ripping through the atmosphere. And like I have this famous quote now during the video where it's like, I literally feel it in my bones. Like I felt it in my bones. And, you know, when you when you rewatch the footage, you know, everything goes in slow-mo in real life. But really, right. this thing was only in front of me for like what, 20 seconds, and then it got up there. So Mm-hmm. Oh my God, just such a crazy experience. You um, looked and then, shocked. I looked over, kind of, you look shocked. Like I was, and, I was shocked. And the liftoff yeah. always catches you off guard. Always. Oh yeah. Yeah. Caught me because off guard. Because we're watching the clock. The clock never lines up. So when, when, when the launch and the fire happens, you're, you're never really expecting it. Yeah. I was, I wasn't expecting it. Like you could see, I was like actually facing the wrong way on the camera. And like, I was just (laughs) felt with this like emotion of like, not to get too emotional here, but I was like, this is so crazy. I was like, humans have been around like, you know, what we're doing for like 300,000 years, right? Like it is just so bizarre that I am standing here, part of a mission of the first civilians to orbit the planet by themselves that are non-astronauts. And it's just like, all hit me at once. Like it was just so inspiring, such an incredible moment. I think the crew and the fact that we were able to relate to them and, you know, we had Haley, Chris, uh, Sian and and Jared, like, you know, we all felt like a family and I don't know, it was just such a great moment in time that I will never forget. And honestly, like I will cherish for the rest of my life. And now I need to get to another launch. Like I just have to, like I'm literally dying to get to another launch. I'll repeat that sentiment because for me, I think the entire crew is great. They're all incredible people. And 
getting to know them and their stories have been really cool part of the mission. For me, though, Chris especially, he just seems like your neighbor. He just seems yeah. like your neighbor. Like you're yeah. like he was mowing the lawn that morning, you know. 100%. He was he was playing well, Xbox Live after his kids went to sleep. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like this guy you see at the hardware store. A hundred percent. When when they open the cupola for the first time, you hear him in the background go, Oh mm-hmm. shit. Like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like he was he's yeah. just like a regular yeah. father. It's so great. Yeah. He said holy shit, right? Yeah, I, th- like that. I yeah, think it yeah. was him. I don't think that yeah. was Jared. I don't know who said it, but I did know that someone said that. It's it's funny because like a few years back after the Falcon Heavy Static Fire, that my video at the end, I was like, holy shit, because that was intense. <laughs> and I got in so much trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got, I'm going to go to space and curse and they will let me curse and they'll let oh, you curse yeah, too, that, Chris. That was big for the brand <laughs> that he dropped that S-bomb up there. We need more of that. You know what I mean? He's just It's just seeing someone that could be your neighbor or a guy that you can you know, run into. Yeah. You um, know what I wasn't Walmart ready for? You know, I wasn't crazy. ready for the nebula. Like I remember like I have us on footage, like freaking out. And I was like mm-hmm. looking at my phone, trying to edit. And you're like, dude, look up at the nebula. I was like, Oh my yeah. God. It so literally our, looked like we were in a sci-fi movie. Yeah. Our listeners and followers know what the nebula is. We, we kind of, I don't want to say we invented it. We kind of did. But um, space.com wrote about our nebulas. And it's basically, you know, you're seeing the rockets fuel mixtures and burn off and the interaction of those gases. You're seeing the separation of the second stage and the first stage, the second stage having dragon on it. You're seeing all this entire dance in the sky. You have the right lighting conditions, the right atmosphere. It's going to look insane. And Los Angeles knows every time they launch from Vandenberg at night around sunset or in the morning around sunrise, and you get that weird effect of light, everyone reports a UFO. Yeah. All the celebrities celebrities go on Twitter and report UFO sighting because LA doesn't see those launches unless it's the right conditions. But I have to say the inspiration for launch was one of the most beautiful rocket launches mm-hmm. I have ever seen. It was wow. kind of a, a greatest hits of the visuals you see with a night launch. You got your nebula. Yeah. You got your jellyfish. You can see the booster separation. You, can see, mm-hmm. you saw most of the stuff that you never really see during launches. From where we were, there was not a cloud in the sky. On time Everything departure, was we had yeah. Yeah. crystal clear. Everything was yeah. literally perfect. And like we even saw right. the booster come back down perfectly. Right. Isn't that insane? We saw the booster descending over the horizon. And if you watch my video and you like fast forward it, like you can see it in fast motion and it just glides on down, like right onto the read the instructions drone ship. Crazy, crazy. And as along with Chris and I behind the clock was Eric Kuna. Shout Who, out Eric. Yeah, is, you know, I, I was I texted Chris earlier. I made a joke. He's the Morpheus of space photography. He goes, is just yeah. a legend. He's everyone looks everyone looks up to him. Like he's doing new things and he's breaking these barriers with photography and creating something fresh and new. We are very lucky to yeah. have him here at Supercluster and and the work that he does. I feel like every crewed mission, his photos have become among the most iconic photos of those missions. 
A hundred percent. I had her cracking up in my reaction over there. He was looking over. Yeah. He was dying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, he looked over to me. He's like, yo, is that guy from your neighborhood or something? And I was like, yeah, he is. <laughs> Literally. And um, he's like, yeah, you two seem like you came from, you know, same kind of cloth. And I was like, yep. Yeah. I was definitely uh, one of the loudest people to ever step foot on the yeah. uh, media section in the Kennedy Space Center. <laughs> yeah. Just, you Robin, know what? I think, this. Go ahead. I was going to say, what do you think about the haters on Twitter that are basically talking a lot of smack about the amount of science that was done up there, right? Like a lot of people are complaining about, I mean, okay, oh, let's uh, move on to the next mission and let's get some real science done. Like, what do you think about that? Like, like I'm how do you all feel? For, look, I'm all for science. I, I, yes, we should be doing science in space. And people are. There's people on the space station 24 7 doing science. Like, we're doing a lot. This, is about expanding access for everyday people. This is about breaking that barrier and sort of two things can happen at the same time. You know what I mean? Like SpaceX is also launching astronauts to the space station to do science. They can do that and also run their business just like any private company would. If SpaceX was just launching tourists and private astronauts to orbit and back as their business, Yes, there's criticism to be made there because their name yeah. is Space Exploration Technologies. But let's face the facts here. Their priority is NASA. Their priority yeah. is getting humans back to the moon for NASA. Let's give them uh, some room to make some money here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's called Inspiration for, not necessarily Science for. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. they got to pay for by a private citizen, y'all. They yeah. did do science. They raised 200 mil for St. Jude. And they did do some science up there. You can look it up. But I think there's, I okay, alone, looking at their the physical beings of these four people. Remember, these are not career-trained astronauts. Career-trained astronauts are, a lot of them come from the military where they do a lot of physical training. Mm-hmm. And being an astronaut candidate and being an astronaut trainee for NASA is a grueling, impossible experience. <laughs> they do not choose anybody to do this. It is, no. it is an academic triathlon. It is a physical endurance that you will not believe. And then you go to space, maybe. These mm-hmm. four people went to orbit for three days. Orbit. This is not space tourism this is orbit yeah. you know what i mean and i and think that flawless. looking at yeah looking at well looking at their bodies before the mission and after the mission is a ton of science a ton mm-hmm. of science haley is a cancer survivor there's going to be science in studying the effects on oh, her yeah. body coming yep. coming back from space after 3 days i hope people don't take this the wrong way but i think chris is a dad bod type, which I am, and he represents us dad bod guys. And that gives us hope that we could go to space. But also, when you have non-typical body shapes and non-typical, you know, non-conventional, you know, physical attributes going to space that are different from the 50 years of Air Force pilots and, you know, um, incredible super soldiers who've gone to space. Mm -hmm. Like, when you have a guy like Chris... I think that's important that we study what happens to his body. And also on top of everything, Chris, studying their psychology. How did they, how did they do on that front in those three days? How did a quote unquote everyday person with limited astronaut training deal with being in outer space 
where they mm-hmm. can't leave their capsule and death is right outside. How did yeah. they react psychologically? That's the data I'm interested in. I know they did some cool science on there. Definitely interested in that. But if people think that no science was done or limited science was done, then you don't know what goes into space flight. Because studying uh-huh. these folks' bodies, we will get tons of science about how people like myself, who are not super healthy, um, can actually go to space. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. I mean, they do blood draws. They did like the whole ultrasound, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to study the fluid shifts in the body. And like you said, right. they did like neurocognitive studies. And then right. also, I also read that they did like swabs of the actual spacecraft itself in the interior because the Crew Dragon hasn't been to that level of hype before, right? Like they went way above the ISS and like and right also, way above And also it was sealed was. for like three full days up and down, which it usually goes to... ISS unseals and then seals again. So there was that change too. But yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, they did a flawless mission. The only problem that they had was with the uh, the toilet. Did you hear about that yeah. uh, drama going on? I they did had hear like about a- that. I did hear about that. And you know what? I think that's a, a win. I think the fact that oh the only issue God. was the bathroom. I mean, on a mission with four limitedly trained people going you know, further than the space station is, I think the fact that they they had a little hiccup with the bathroom suction tube or whatever, I hope it wasn't gross. I hope it was, you know, I hope, look, I hope they trained for that situation. I hope they got super comfortable with each other because remember before this, not to emphasize the military aspect, but people who've gone to space came from the military where, you know, peeing and shitting in front of each other is normal everyday thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's uh, going to the bathroom in front of each other. The locker room mentality was also made things comfortable for people in space on the space station, on the shuttle, mm-hmm. on any, on the Apollo capsule. These are guys who are used to being naked and, and being, you know, open about everything in front of each other and, and women too. And I just think that in this case, you have four, like I said, limitedly trained people dealing with being in a confined space for, you know, three days and having to, you know, process your waste in front of these people. I'm sure it's not easy, but like I said, the fact that that was the only issue and that Uh they were never in danger, that's a complete win. Oh my God, massive win. And would you agree that like this mission, like the fact that they landed home safely, like they're here, they're good to go, like they're fine, Mm -hmm. mission complete. Wouldn't you agree that this should be celebrated as like one of the biggest parties of all time. I mean, like this would have been so bad if something happened to these four people. And we are so oh, absolutely. lucky I mean, that they, they completed this mission and no yeah. one is harmed as of, you know, we right. know right now no one's harmed, but we right. really should thank our lucky stars here if you're a space fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anytime a human goes to space and comes back alive is a miracle. It should be said every time. It takes an extraordinary amount of work to get this right. And every time a rocket launches, it's a little miracle. That's how that's what you're dealing with here in terms of gravity. But I was disappointed by the lack of national media coverage because Blue Origin and Virgin Galactic got tons of national coverage, like wall to wall. And this mission went so much further and was so much more dangerous, so much longer. I don't know. There was everything was dialed up exponentially for this mission, including the risk. And there was no comment from the White House. There was, yep. there was no, there was no mention on like national. Yes, there was mentions in like national news websites, but like, where? Why wasn't Anderson Cooper at Kennedy Space Center? Where was, you know, where was like, 
MSNBC? Where was Fox News? Where was all the giant large networks covering this? It is a breakthrough moment for human spaceflight, mm-hmm. no matter yeah. which way, no matter what words you want to use or how you want to categorize the mission. This was a breakthrough mission. I think that the public is, is going to have such a misunderstanding in the context of, uh, of how important mm-hmm. it is because of the lack of media coverage and the lack of you know, recognition from the White House as well. Yeah, lack of recognition. You know, Elon had a viral tweet back at like, you know, dissing Joe Biden for not saying anything that went viral. Yeah. And then, you know, while we were there, I mentioned to you, I was like, you know, this lawn looks pretty empty right now. Like I could, right. I, I thought in my mind it was going to be like wall to wall with reporters. I Let mean, me tell you, shuttle era and the first couple of crew launches for SpaceX, there was. And remember, yeah. that was early days of the pandemic too. So for this mission, I was a little surprised by the lack of like big networks joining. Like I said, there was a couple of big setups, local news, Netflix, but like, yeah, there, there wasn't as many reporters as there should have been. That, and that. it's also weird to me that, you know, so Elon puts another 50 million into the mm-hmm. fundraiser at the end mm-hmm. when, when they're coming home to push them over the edge. I think they're at like 200 and like 10 or 15 million yeah, right something now. Something around there. Right. But for me, Robin, am I crazy? Or, but that just seems a little low for like the the world's first all civilian space mission. I mean, we have some guys out there with some serious bankroll, and they didn't mm-hmm. like even put in anything. Like in my mind, this should have been a multi billion dollar fundraiser. You know, especially uh, right. you know from Jared starting it at a hundred mil. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Oh man, you know it could be a multitude of factors. One being that people are struggling right now financially and with COVID and the fact that I think this goes back to the attention the mission got, you know what I mean? I think that blue origin and Virgin Galactic got a ton of attention on this and, you know, there wasn't as many stories about this as there was about those missions. Mm -hmm. I also think that when billionaires are involved in anything fundraising wise, Everyone says, why doesn't the billionaire just give them all the money? <laughs> and that, and like really, that, that, yeah. And like yeah. when you, when you have a, a fundraiser, but Jared Isaacsman's face is on it and Elon Musk is involved. Nobody wants to give money to that, yeah, especially rivals of these two. Remember. So when you're thinking about big ticket people, that's their reasoning. It's petty. I, you know, and like I said, the mission was very siloed for Netflix, for Time Magazine minus a couple outside outlets that were given some access. My one big criticism is I think that the Super Bowl commercial could have appealed to more people. I know some people thought it was cool. Some people liked it. Some people hated it. The song was incredible. I will say that. People love the song. But, you know, I, when I think of a Super Bowl commercial for space flight, I'm thinking of Apple's 1984 commercial, the classic Super Bowl commercial, where a woman is running with a sledgehammer and she throws it at the screen, smashing the screen. It's a reference to George Orwell, Big Brother. Some Super Bowl ads stay with people forever. And while I thought that the Super Bowl ad was cool, I don't think it had that, that kind of gravitas that it was needed to inspire more and more people. Totally I think it was agree. great for the sports, like the sports crowd and the sports fans watching. But I think... A Super Bowl commercial sometimes needs to transcend that audience to really get the message across, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we also didn't learn about the Netflix show until like way later on in the journey mm -hmm. of of this mission. You know, they kind of threw it on us last minute. They didn't really hype anybody up for that. And then I also, yeah. you know, they they pulled the commercials once they started filling the crew, obviously, right? So it's like right. at the end of the day, though, I don't know, Robin, I think they picked the best possible crew ever. I mean, we got oh, really yeah. lucky yeah. with that crew. Yeah, yeah. I think the crew is perfect. I don't Those think guys will go question. down in history. I mean, Robin, I could potentially see an inspiration four two and an inspiration four three. Like maybe yeah. they'll just either replace the crew or maybe even that same crew can go back up. I don't know, guys. If you watch Jared Isaacman and the way he handled himself on this mission, it's tough to say that that's the last time we're going to see that guy in space. There's no way he's not going to try again. I will say this: if I was going to bet on a couple of them going back to space, I would say that. Jared goes back to space either on Dragon. I don't think it will be Dragon. I would bet on him flying on Starship one day because really? Dragon flights are going to be Dragon flights can only be up to like three or four a year. Okay, maybe four or five a year. Really? Remember? Yeah, and remember, uh, many of those have to go to NASA and other customers. I don't. I don't see Jared flying on another Dragon in the next couple of years. I think I do see him flying on Starship when more seats are available. I can see and that. also, I do see Dr. Cyan Proctor going further, meaning maybe she'll go to the moon. Maybe she'll be a candidate for the first human mission to Mars. I know that's yeah. been a goal for her. So I think that we'll see at least a couple of those passengers fly again. I'm not counting out Chris and Haley. I absolutely see them <laughs> flying again. Yeah, if I was only if I was only gonna bet on two of them. I would say Jared and Dr. Cyan Proctor flying on Starship. Yeah. And I, and I hope to see all four of them fly if that's what they want. I also, I'm not going to elaborate on this, but I would like to see the mission photographer, John Krauss, fly yeah. on a mission someday. Yeah, he killed it. That's what astronauts do. I mean, look at like uh, like just Doug Hurley off the top of my head, right? right. Dominates the space shuttle. Then he you know, went up for the Demo 2 and the Dragon. Right. I mean, honestly, Robin, my new life goal for everybody listening right now, here's my new goal, ride the Dragon one day. I mean, I need to ride this crew Dragon. It was just such a surreal experience. Dude, I would be at Kennedy cheering you on. I personally, I want to ride on Starship just because that gives me enough time to train. Yeah, I don't want to put myself in the dragon basket and then someone's like a year from now, like, oh, you're going on dragon. I'm going to like, no, I need like eight months to lose like 37 <laughs> pounds. So thank you for that. Chris, we're running out of time here. I'm going to ask you for one thing. Yeah. If you were going to give some a new person advice on coming down to Kennedy Space Center to cover a historic mission. What would be the most critical piece of advice? Oh, God, I think the most critical piece of advice is really just like live in the moment, you know, get your photos, get your video. But I think the best advice was honestly what you gave me and just like, enjoy your time there. Like live in the moment, like, like be in the moment, right? Like right. don't look at your phone too much. Don't look at the video camera. And other than right. that, like the little things, you know, like you got to rent a car. You can't really walk anywhere. You can't take Ubers. You have to have a, a car rented. There's and, no Uber. I, yeah. I need to, people to understand that you have to rent a car when you're coming down. Yeah. Yes. But other than that, you know, I recommend if you haven't been to Florida or, you know, Cape Canaveral and you're a space fan, it is an absolute must do on the bucket list. I mean, everything is space related, you know, space bars, space museums, space stores. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything is like the space community. And I will say everybody is so nice down there. Everybody in the space community is incredible. And I cannot wait to get back there. And my last piece of advice, bring suntan lotion. You're going to need it. 
Absolutely bring suntan lotion and uh, a buck spray. Don't forget the buck spray. Oh, the, we um, got eaten alive. Yeah. Chris, thank you so much for being on the show. We will have you again in the future to talk about Falcon Heavy because I have a feeling you're going to go down for that I'll or something soon. Yes, sir. Thank you to our, our listeners and uh, all, all the Supercluster readers and fans. We hope that you are experiencing the spaceport and all that's happening at Kennedy by following our Instagram, our Twitter. We always post behind the scenes. We're always in the mission, um, bringing you an insider experience. Tune in, stay tuned, and check out uh, Space with Space with Spo on Instagram and Twitter and on YouTube for Chris's show. That's right. That's right. Thank you so much for having me on, Robin. And if I could do a shameless plug, go check out those photos that they just posted on Supercluster. They are oh, yeah. incredible. Yes. Supercluster.com. We compiled Jenny. We, we need to shout out Jenny Hopman, who is our, our newest photographer. She's taken some iconic photos of the crew posing with their return booster. She caught the dragon coming in at port. She caught the dragon in the skies descending from orbit. She's an extraordinary young photographer. Her photos are up on supercluster.com. Please find them. Follow her on Twitter. Follow her on Instagram. You can find her through our accounts. But yes, thank you for that shout out, Chris. We're really proud of our photos. We do some good (laughs) photos. (laughs) They're amazing. And I'll tell you what, guys, if you don't have a good iPhone wallpaper yet, you're going to have a ton. Steal ours. Steal ours. We're giving you permission. (laughs) All right, everyone. Have a good one. And thank you so much, Chris. All right, we'll talk soon.